Welcome to Live with Taff, featuring Canada's original entertainer, Brian Pataffi. Hi, and welcome to Live with Taff. Hey, we're taking a week off this week, so uh, I want you to listen to one of our favorite, favorite uh, podcasts from last year. It's Lisa Longball and Chris Stevenson. Have a great night, and we'll see you all next week with some phenomenal guests. The first person we got on here is from Calgary, Alberta. She is the eight-time Canadian long drive champion. Uh, she's sponsored by Callaway and Golf Town. Please welcome Lisa Blusick or Lisa Longball. <laughs> Thanks, Tab. Oh, good. Thank you so much. I've, I've actually even snuck two rounds in already. I played, I played with my family, my husband and my son, which was awesome. And so it's nice to feel the sun on your face and be outside. And golf is that perfect social distancing sport. Well, I'll tell you, yeah, I social distance really well with golf because I hit and I'm usually in the woods 60 <laughs> to 70 yards away from the, my partners. So it is great. And you know what? The neat thing about bringing you on, Lisa, and we're going to go into your story and, and, and some of the cool things about you, is I, I, was, uh, I was introduced to you virtually a couple of weeks ago by a mutual friend, Gare Maxwell. Yep. And I'm going, who's the best guest to bring on? Who's the best guest to bring on? With Lisa and Gary always says, go eclectic. Don't bring two hockey people. Don't bring two golf people. So you know what? I'm thinking, I'm going, I'm going to reach out to Chris Stevenson. Chris was one of my two favorite reporters in, in uh, Ottawa when I spent my time there. Him and a guy named Donnie Brennan. And um, uh, I was going to reach out to Chris because Chris just knows everything about sports. So then I reach out to him and I find out you guys are friends as well. What are the chances? Yeah. What, we actually played a round of golf together in Florida this past January. Yeah, and I want to I want to get Chris's story on that because I got yours on an email and it's a real interesting story. Oh, it was. So Chris Stevenson um, writes for the Ottawa Athletic. He's covered the NHL since 1988. He's been to eight Olympic games and he's covered every golf major. Chris, welcome on, friend. Tough. Nice to nice to connect with you again. And I'm really, really proud to know that I was in uh, two of the group of two of your favorite reporters because there's only three of us that covered the team. So to, to be the to be in that group is makes me really proud. Well, I'm I'm counting the electronic media too. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. We had but, we had some good we had some good times, didn't we? we? We had some great times. And the things I appreciated about you and Donnie at the time is is we were like the third team in town. I mean, we had the NHL Senators, we had the CFL uh, Renegades, and then we were kind of at the bottom of the barrel, but you and Donnie never ever made us feel like we were at the bottom of the barrel. We got our press coverage, we were, we were out and about in the city and, and you guys went to bat for us. And I know as a reporter, you're not there to be a PR guy and Donnie's writing can attest to that. But, uh, <laughs> but you guys did make sure that we got the coverage I think we deserved. And, and I think that the, uh, that the city uh, loved. We were a staple in that town, but we were at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to, you know, we have professional sport in town. So it is great to have you on. Great to have... Uh, Lisa on and and um, and for a guy that ha lived in Augusta, Georgia, myself for for uh, six years. Two of my children were born there. I attended the Masters five times over wow. the six years. Oh. So I know that attending a major is like no other. But then the majors are here 
the masters are up it's here. Up here. We're yeah. talk about that. So let's jump in with Lisa. Lisa, I watch some of your tapes on on your uh, Facebook page, Lisa uh, Lisa Unbelievable, uh, motivational speaker. Unbelievable. I sent one to my wife. He's a healthcare professional down in North Carolina, and uh, the border being closed is keeping us apart right now. I sent one to her. She jumped all over that. Tell us, Lisa, like, like you, you started off playing golf as a kid, and you hit a ball 350 yards. Tell us where you got started. Well, it's actually quite a funny story. So I was my dad's last hope as a golfer. Uh, I was in grade eight. My mom didn't play. My sister didn't play. So he dragged me out to the local muni uh, uh, when, you know, the one night. And uh, when I showed up, there were 60 boys in me. There weren't a lot of strong junior girls golf programs back then. And so the coach told me to go hit my six iron at the end of the range, which I proceeded to do. And then he worked with the boys the rest of the evening. So I actually decided golf wasn't that fun. And I quit. And I maybe played nine holes a year with my dad if he forced me. And it actually wasn't until my 20s. 20s when my boyfriend at the time now husband was just graduating from university and he was being invited out to corporate and charity golf tournaments so golf truly especially in Canada is a key business networking skill so he realized he was missing out on these networking opportunities so we again we went out to the local communities wherever we could get out and and my big turning point happened in 1999 the LPGA actually came to Calgary uh, and at, at Calgary maybe gets the LPGA once every 10 years of course we've never had a PGA tour event very successful champions tour event the Shaw Charity Classic but this was quite rare for us in 99 and so watching even though I couldn't break 100 to save my life watching the best female golfers in the world like the pride of Prince Edward Island Lori Kane and Julie Inkster from the U.S. and I was so inspired by these women that I thought I want to get out there and compete and luckily there's competitions for people who can't break 100 so I entered my first uh, uh, the Alberta mid handicap I think and I, I came near the end of the pack but I was hitting it 80 to 100 yards past the other other girls and so I saw an advertisement for a long drive competition and entered and won with a 313 yard drive with a set of clubs from Costco so it's crazy crazy you know what Lisa just just listening to you right now and this this is fantastic <laughs> I just want to kind of empty the screen let Haley take over and go up to Cultus Lake and start hitting the ball right Wait, now. Right? <laughs> right now. This is great. Well, I am so glad that you came on. You agreed to come on with us. You got two rounds in already today. Yep. That is, that's phenomenal. Chris, tell me about a couple of things. Number one, I want to hear about your round with Lisa and the interesting people you met in January in Florida. And I want you to talk about you joining and following Brooke Henderson from her start right through. Yeah, that, that January day that we had at uh, Winter Park Golf Course was fantastic, wasn't it, Lisa? Like, it's we such a special place, right, Chris? Yeah. The history. It's it's yeah. a nine hole track, but it's the history, and it just it's it's for the love of the game. You feel for the love of the game there. Yeah, it's you know about a hundred years old. Recently got. Uh, recently got renovated. There was some Canadian involvement in that. And um, it's in this, this residential area in Winter Park, uh, northern part of, of Orlando. And you cross about, what, five residential streets to go from, from green to tea. And, yeah. and uh, just the whole vibe of it's really cool. So uh, Matt Janella, who's uh, you know a really high profile golf travel guy, uh, up until recently was with, uh, with Golf Channel. And uh, Matt has this huge skins game on the Friday of the PGA, the week of the PGA show. And through uh, Scott McLeod and Rick Young, we got invited to, uh, to go along to enjoy, the, uh, to enjoy the skins game. 
So we get there, we play in the morning. What do we play in the morning? A sevensome? A sevensome. Well, but that's because again, it's about, it's about playing the together. Golf it's about golf. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the wonderful vibe about, about Winter Park is it, it, yeah. it is all about the, uh, I'm going to call it a non-traditional golf experience, right? You're, you're not going to go there and feel like you're at some stuffy country club. Remember the dad, Chris, that we saw in jeans with his little yeah. girl and they were putting yeah. at the putting green? You're yeah. welcome. Residents are welcome to come and just putt. You don't have to pay anything. Just come and putt at the, at the practice green. Yeah, that was, that was part of the deal because it's a public golf course. They had uh, some money left over after the reno. And they used the money to create this huge uh, public putting green, which uh, is bounded by a residential street. So you'll be playing and look over it. And remember, there was a wedding going on, right? In oh, the yeah, afternoon. there was a wedding too, right beside that, the putting green. <laughs> in the house, yeah. They have this big house that they rent out on the property. And there was a wedding going on. People were like putting on the, the putting green. It's just such a wonderful vibe. Yeah. So we got out there and, and uh, it was the uh, all-Canadian sevensome, right? Yeah. In, in, in the morning. And then uh, we all chipped in our couple of dollars to play in the big skins game in the afternoon. But uh, that will uh, long go down, uh, mostly because of, of uh, the company of yourself and Scott McLeod from Flagstick and Rick Young from Score Golf and a bunch of other people that tagged along with us. Uh, that's going to go down, and particularly because of the timing of it too, right? That we had it in January and then all hell started breaking loose after that. And yeah. uh, I've said to a few people, we played a tensum in the afternoon. Well, that, that was because of you, Chris, but that was you, Chris. The, um, we played a tensum in the afternoon in the skins game. In the morning, as we were getting near the end, I'll, I'll get to what Lisa's talking about. And so we were playing a sevensum and we were moving along at a pretty good, oh, yeah. pretty good clip. We were Ready golf, baby. Yeah. We were keeping up to the, to the foursome in front of us. And then I think we got to about the seventh tee. And there was these uh, guys that we'd noticed behind them. And one of them looked like he had a uh, service dog in training with him. So they finished punting out and they came walking up behind us. And here we are, seven, some were waiting on the tee of this par three for the group in front to clear. And uh, we said to these guys, hey, rather than, you know, waiting the whole time, why don't you just play in with us? There's only a couple of holes uh, left to go. And they were kind of shy. And, and we're like, no, we, we'll kind of just hang back. Anyway, started talking to them. It turned out they were uh, a group of, of uh, veterans who uh, had found golf as an avenue for them to kind of, of uh, get them back into to socializing again. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, were they did have a service dog in, in training with them. So they ended up uh, hanging out on the tee with us and we talked about, uh, you know, what they were going through and, and they weren't comfortable around strangers and everything else. Anyway, we, we convinced them to play with us. And uh, they finished out the round. And didn't we have a great conversation with them all afterwards? Lisa, so amazing. And what they do, is so they, they help other veterans, right, Chris? They help yeah. other veterans. And so there's wonderful organization. They're part of this wonderful organization that cr creates bucket list trips for veterans to help them, you know, to as, as a, a way of thanks. Fairways, fairways of freedom. Fairways of freedom. Fair, nicely done. Fairways of freedom. That's right. It was and, amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So they, 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 you know, figured out that, that golf, um, because you could play on your own or you could play in a group was um, a great vehicle for these veterans to kind of uh, get comfortable in, in society. But the stories the guys told us, they remember oh. they, two of them became friends. They were at this uh, uh, basically a, a recovery institution. I think he said in Minnesota, right? Yeah. And one day uh, one of the guys had just had enough and started running. He didn't know where he was going. He was just, he just had to get away and he started running and this other fellow started chasing after him and, and basically had to tackle him. Yeah. Um, and they became uh, 
friends after that and, and, and he had tears in his eyes. oh yeah it was it was so emotional and again you know that was part of what made this this day so special part of it was the the winter park experience we had heard so much about uh winter park golf course and the, and the famous uh, skins games on friday afternoon um but then to have uh the opportunity to meet those guys and talk to those guys and hear their stories and 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 hear about how valuable golf could be in terms of helping these guys you know, re-socialize and, and find a way to connect with other people and and uh, a way to connect again with society and the outside world after what they had been through in um, in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, it was just such a such a special day. And and like I said, I I'm a little melancholy when I look back on it now because you know you, you think about will there ever be a seven sum at Winter Park again? Like you know, would you be able to play a ten sum like we did in in the yeah. afternoon? I was just saying we could only hope because I agree with Chris, you know, uh, what we don't know what the future is going to look like, you know, we hear of this second wave that may be coming and, and so what will it look like and will things forever change or for a while change right and so it's, I think everyone's thinking the same thing. Absolutely, and you know, uh, just hearing your story from both of you is on this and, and uh, it just it just takes me back to just a few days ago in, in the US. Um, where they uh, they observed Memorial Day for yes. um, for the uh, troops, uh, the men and women that were lost in battle. Uh, but you know, and then I'm hearing this, and there's so many men and women that weren't lost in battle, but do suffer. And um, and I'm glad things like golf and people like yourself bringing these people in, uh, just you know, a simple thing on a golf course, it it means so much to these people. Uh, my father was a veteran of uh, of three wars, and uh, wow. and uh, you know he, he joined in World War II in the Canadian Air Force, uh, was over in Korea, and as an airplane mechanic, he went to the U.S. for a little bit during the Vietnam con conflict to work on airplanes for the U.S. Air Force. So, uh, you know, he, he didn't go over to Nam, but, but he, he was a veteran. He, you know, he chipped in. And, and so when I hear these stories, like you tell, that, that just, uh, it makes my heart just pump a little harder. It made all our hearts swell. All of us, yeah. our hearts were absolutely swelling after that round. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, and it is, you're outside, fresh air. Um, you know, I'm not going to exaggerate the amount of, of Physical, physical exertion it takes to play sports. It falls into one of those wonderful, that wonderful category that, you know, the pastime where you can drink beer while you're doing it, yeah. <laughs> which, which I love, which I would include, you know, darts, bowling, and, and curling yes. <laughs> in yes. that category, which makes them all great sports. Um, <laughs> But I did have to hit over a cemetery though, Chris. Remember yes, that shot did. I had to hit and there yes. was a service going on. So I really didn't want to pull hook it. I was really yes, trying not to pull hook that shot. There was a lot of pressure in that shot. You're right. <laughs> oh, man, they, they could have been scheduling a second service. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh but just you know the the uh, the benefits of golf, you are out in the fresh air, you are walking. Yep. And uh I think for those guys, um it worked on a bunch of different levels because of that. It, it got them out, got them exercise, but you could socialize on your own level, right? Absolutely. If you wanted to just go out and play by yourself, you could. If you just wanted to play with your best buddy, you could. If you wanted to play with a couple of close friends. And this was all like really important to these guys because they stressed to us how, how uh, reticent they were like to join us, that they are they still very uncomfortable in, in, in bigger groups of, of people and, and still kind of trying to figure out how to re-socialize. Mm -hmm. So, you know, afterwards, 
you know, made me feel really good. I'm sure it made you feel really good, Lisa, oh. that, that they did decide to, that they 100%. did decide to join us, you know? And, and doesn't it just show they, you how far kindness goes? Just to, to when, yeah. you walk, when you're kind to people, like that's, especially yeah. after everything we've gone through, the more we can just be kind to people, it means so much and goes so far. And I meant to check before we came on and I didn't. Um, but one of the fellas, remember on the, uh, June 21st, I think it was, or 22nd, whatever the longest day of the year is this year, yeah. he was going to be at Pinehurst number two and was going to be doing the golf marathon to raise money for, for veterans. So he was going to tee off at, at sunup oh, and right. go until sundown to see how many holes he could play at, uh, at and Pinehurst. And he was a good player. He, he was, was a good player. player. Yeah. And now I wonder if, uh, you know, I wonder if that's still going to be going on with the whole I situation. Know. I know Pinehurst is open. Uh, I've seen yeah. a bunch of people yeah. uh posting things on social about what's going on at piner so i hope that's still going on but uh th these guys had some wonderful projects and we're using golf as a vehicle to uh to, to help veterans what a great story and i'm sure we could go on and on and on and and, and tell stories like this and and again kudos to you people for for reaching out and and having these people join in with you Lisa, on one of your videos, you talk about bucket lists and, 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 and bucket lists can just be a list for so many people that they never step out of their comfort zone yeah. and maybe try to jump into that. When you're talking about it, there's a picture of you zip lining, which I just think is amazing. So I want to ask both you and we'll start with you, Lisa, what is on you've done and, and achieved so much in, in, uh, in your golf and, and, yep. and as a journalist and, and a motivational speaker, and you've uh, ziplined. What, is, <laughs> yeah. what, are, what are some other things in your bucket list? So for me, for my bucket list, actually, to be honest with you, I, I love the travel. I love go, going around the world. I love meeting other people in different cultures. And as a golf journalist, I also use it as an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to play their courses and so that I can write about not only what you can do and see in their cities, but how you can enjoy the, their recreation as well, too. So I've been, you know, going to Spain, having a chance to, you know, going down Las Ramblas in, in, in Barcelona and, and, and going to see, to see uh, uh, Messe score and then going to you know, going down uh, and having a chance to go play um, so many amazing courses down there. So, uh, so it, it was just, a, for me, it's the travel. So where I would love to go and what's been on my bucket list is actually Italy. So the 2022 Ryder Cup is scheduled in Italy. And so that's my next big, uh, my big uh, event that I want to go to, not, not to the Ryder Cup itself, but I want to go to Italy, explore Italy and its culture, but then also we, we rarely talk about golf in Italy. You know, we, we usually talk about the UK and Ireland, uh, you know, you know, that uh, all the different places, of course, you know, the old course in Scotland, you know, those are the places we think of when we think of golf travel uh, or perhaps tropical locations like Kapalua in Hawaii. But I don't, people don't see Italy as a golf destination, but you look at the Molinari brothers. So for me, I want to do something unique and different in, in, in the golf travel scene. So Italy is number one on my list for sure. That's wow. Cool. Well, yeah. that's, that's my homeland. Oh. So, yeah, that's where my ancestors have oh. come from. How about you, Chris? Uh, you've covered eight Olympics. You've covered every major. You've covered Stanley Cup finals. Um, you're always somewhere on the map. I remember one time just taking a flyer and, and, and messaging you and saying, hey, my son Dominic and I are at the Wyndham in Greensboro. Any chance you're going to be here? That's when Tiger... Uh, made a little bit of a resurgence uh, back in 2015. 
and uh, so uh, uh, unfortunately you weren't there, but uh, but but you're always somewhere. What's on your bucket list? That's a that's a, a great question. I don't know if there's much more uh, prof professionally that I would have on the list. Like you said, I've I've uh, been fortunate enough to cover all of the the majors in golf and the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup. Um, it's been fun. Uh, you know, doing a lot of the LPGA stuff and following Brooke Henderson, you know, uh, career highlight to be there in 2016 when she won her first major at, uh, at Sahali at the KPMG women's uh, PGA. So um, I got a, a couple of things I've been working on just now. Um, I, I befriended Brian Murray when he was uh, the coach and general manager of, of the Senators. I knew him before that, but of course got to know him uh, much better working with him on a daily basis when he was running the Senators and, um, you know, when he contracted his colon cancer and, uh, and uh, he knew time was running out, he was good enough to sit down with me a few times and I told him that I, at some point I would put together a, um, a journal for him so his grandkids could know uh, what kind of man he was and what the people in the world of hockey thought about him and, and put, together a few, uh, put together a few stories. Uh, for the family, so I've kind of been working at that during the uh, during the uh, uh, self isolation here. That would that would be one of the things on my bucket list to get done. Um, that's important to me. And like Lisa, I would like to travel. So you know, one of the things when I've been uh, going for a run or whatever, I love listening to the golf architecture podcasts. Yes, I'm a, a golf nerd. Yeah, one of my favorites is the fried egg and and. Uh, was listening to Tom Dope the other day, you know, uh, for people who don't know, he, he became one of the preeminent uh, architects of, of the new age, a Renaissance man who believed that less was more. He did the courses out at Bandon Dunes, which are famous. And he's done a bunch of courses in New Zealand. So it, it's kind of been in the back of my mind now, like that mm -hmm. would be a cool trip um, when I dial things back and I'm not working as much um, to take a month or two and go down. I've been to Australia, covered the Olympics in, uh, Australia, but that would be cool to go down to uh, to Australia, go to uh, and go to New Zealand and experience some kind of you know Cape Kidnappers, Barn Dougal, those courses in uh, in New Zealand. So not saying it's going to happen, but that's what bucket lists are about, right? It's you something bet. you put there that uh, if you could make happen, you would. Absolutely, and and uh, so Lisa, have you been to the Masters? I have been to the Masters. It was so amazing. I've sadly only been once, but it was quite funny because I thought the year I wanted to go, I said, oh, I said, I, I told my husband, I want to go to the Masters. He's like, great, Lisa, you get tickets. And he said, no problem. He said, well, we, uh, he's like, I'll take the week off. Get tickets, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> you see where this story is going, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm like, I'm Lisa Long. Well, I can get tickets, no problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I, I was at the time I was uh, a, a sponsored by uh, Nike and uh, they I had reached out to my Nike people and they said, yeah, Lisa, many of us haven't been. I'm like, OK, right. So then uh, I went to some of my oil and gas friends back when oil and gas was a thing in Alberta. Right. And uh, and they were like, yeah, no, we we haven't been. And I tried every connection I had. Anyway, I ended up going to eBay and two uh, so I two Thursday to, uh, to, uh, or two badges, two Thursday center badges were ten thousand dollars U.S. And you didn't know if they were real. So I, I, I was just, I was so beside myself. Anyway, I, my, my husband, who uh, slash the minister of finance, put a moratorium on that. <laughs> one. Yeah, that's not happening. 
And so anyway, I bought Monday practice rounds for, for $400 US. And I thought at least, and who knew if they, I didn't even know if they were real, but I bought them on eBay. I thought at least I'll get to see Augusta National from the first hole to the 18th green. Anyway, as luck would have it, I was doing an interview with a gentleman who's one of the 300 members at Augusta National for the Calgary Herald. And, uh, and so I, I said, I said, geez, I said, I'm going to be down at the Masters. Can I interview you there? Oh, Lisa, I don't go to the Masters. And he said, it's, it's the one week I can't play my home course. And I'm like, right, right, right. He's like, why do you need tickets? Oh, uh, hello, new best friend. Well, well, you know, if you happen to have, he's like, he said, no problem, Lisa, but you will have to pay face value. So I'm thinking, God, I don't know what face value is, but it's got to be less than 10,000. So I agreed on the spot. And so he, I get that they were couriered to me in two days. I open up two Thursday to Sunday badges were, I think they were $127 each at the time. It was unbelievable. So I FedExed him the money back with a brand new spanking new driver at the time. And, and we exchanged <laughs> Christmas cards, but I've, I've never been invited to come play, but uh, it was, it was magical. And so I had Monday practice round my $400. And then when I was there Monday, someone recognized me from um, the Antigua rep who at the time was sponsoring the world long drive apparel. So he said, Lisa, take me to T-Bones for dinner. Uh, and uh, Fuzzy Zeller sat across across from us. So we were like, Ooh, I wonder what he's, you know, having for dinner, you know? And, uh, and that was kind of, <laughs> I won't go oh, into what you know where oh, I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what he wasn't having for dinner. <laughs> and so then on, then on, on Tuesday, someone from, well, we ran into some people that recognized me from ESPN and said as a long driver. And they said, gosh, we have two extra tickets for Wednesday's practice round, you know, and they just, they just gave me their extra tickets. So we ended up going Monday to Sunday, sun up to sundown. Now we were just, we were over the moon. It, it's the most magical place on the planet. The azaleas are brighter than you can imagine. It is so well manicured and you, you get to stand, you come up Magnolia lane and there's the, there's the, the clubhouse and the crow's nest where the reigning U S amateur champion mm -hmm. sleeps for the week. Like it is magical magical yeah and back in back in 2000 oh. um my wife uh was um uh, pregnant for our first and he was supposed to come the, uh, around the 15th of april. april yeah and she started having these little pains oh. early and i was going with people in our booster club the hockey team's booster club were taking me the next day oh. and i looked at her and i go don't don't she had been she had been to the masters prior um so uh it, it was like you say uh when you talk face value you buy a burger there at 70s prices i oh, hope depression era pricing right it's unbelievable yeah. and i hope you both um tried the one staple that we the all cheese and pimento sandwich i had like 64 of them that week yeah pimento <laughs> cheese sandwich and yeah. you know what Kath, isn't it way hillier than you think? Like I burned off those cheese and pimento sandwiches because Augusta National is way hillier than it looks on TV. So the bucket list for me, and I oh, want yeah. to share this story for you because um, everybody wants to play Augusta National. Oh. Our Zamboni driver was a groundskeeper at Augusta National. Oh. She says, Brian, I can get you on to play a couple of holes because it was, it's a winter course. So it was a, uh, about a month or so after the masters, all the volunteers had played their time. They're yeah. getting ready to close. She picks me up, takes me in. I didn't go down Magnolia lane. She took me in a, a, a cart, a, a working cart, um, a mule, they called it. Yeah. And I went to number one and I hit and kept taking pictures. And her name was Kelly Bozak. Nice, nice lady. Oh. 
And I said, Kelly, I said, um, you're going to have to tell me when we stop. And she goes, we'll stop after 18. <gasps> and, and so I was the only one out there. I got pictures of documentation. What, what a thrill. They say that the, uh, that, you know, walking on that grass, you feel like you're a foot off the grass. And Kelly, Kelly's just a wonderful person. The next year she comes to me and, and she's arranging for me to get, uh, to go with Booster Club members to the, to the tournament. And she comes to me and she goes, Brian, I got two autographs for cards. Uh, she goes, one from Arnold Palmer oh. and one from uh, Celine Dion. She goes, a massive I know as a Canadian. Yeah. She goes, I know as a Canadian, you want the Celine Dion one. I said, <laughs> no, 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 no. If you had an autograph CD from her, I'd take it. But no, I'm going with the Arnold Palmer. So I do have an Arnold Palmer, uh, Augusta National wow. scorecard um, uh, autograph and a mitt full of range balls. Uh, oh, you know. so what it's, a story. Well, you know, six years living there, and, and I, I do have to let one secret out of the bag. The city has never been cleaner than the week of, of Masters. Oh, That's yeah, number yeah. one. Um, number two, um, that is spring break for kids uh, down there. My wife was a school nurse at the time. So people, that's why people rent their houses and they take off out of town. A lot of locals leave. And if you do stay in town, you talked about T-Bones. Well, if I go into T-Bones as a resident of Augusta, yeah. um, when I order, I put my, before I order, I put my driver's license on the table. They look at my address, see I'm a, a local, and they bring me a different menu than they bring the, the, the tourists that are in town for that. So, now, that, that menu, does that mean you're getting better prices and they gouge the tourists and they absolutely. treat the locals right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, who do you think, how do you think that money comes in for easy go to put a, a, a golf cart at every business down Washington Road? No kidding. <laughs> Yeah, that, that brings up an interesting point, uh, as you said, about it being spring break. So they get a lot of their volunteers right from from the local community. They do. And yes. Because spring break was on, like a lot of the kids get a chance to, uh, to to do stuff at the tournament with the tournament now being moved to November this year because of, of what we've been going through. It's going to yeah. be interesting to see. I know they were talking about maybe closing the schools that week of uh, the masters in November, just because uh, it would free up a bunch of people to be able to do all the jobs that need to be done. I think um, certainly uh, you'd appreciate this, Lisa, but you know, probably a lot of people don't realize how much these tournaments on the PGA tour, the LPGA tour and everywhere else run on the backs of volunteers. No, uh, you know, they'll have 1500, 1800 uh, volunteers who pay for their own uniforms usually. Oh, yeah. That, to go and, and work at these tournaments. I volunteered. I volunteered at the 99 Maurier Classic. That's how, but I paid for my own hat, my own shirt. And, and you take a week off work, right? To go, to do, yep. to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, you know, one of the things we'll look back on in 2020, there's going to be a whole bunch, but that, that for me is going to be one of the interesting things to see this rejigging of, of the, uh, the majors schedule, right? Yeah. Going down to, uh, with the masters in November, we're not, we're obviously not going to get the flowers. Like, like Taft made a great point there about, you know, uh, for people who don't follow golf closely about Augusta being a winter course, like after the masters, it shuts down. Yeah. Um, and we get to see a lot of pictures usually uh, from uh, drones and, 
and uh, flyovers and everything else about the renovations that they're doing that summer because the course just shuts down that the members don't go there it's too hot to play you'd be able to tell us how hot it can get in Augusta in, in July or August half and oh, yeah yeah it reopens reopens in the fall so it's going to be a very uh, I'm really interested to see what the playability of the course is going to be like in terms of uh, what the turf is going to be like uh, firm not firm what the greens are going to be like it's going to be uh, Going to be a completely different experience than seeing uh, Augusta in April. Absolutely. And you make a good point, Chris, about the flyovers and the drones showing any renovations they're doing. The uh, Masters is the only tournament that I know of that doesn't allow the Goodyear blimp uh, during the tournament. It's the the only tournament you uh, you will get aerial views, but they're not from the Goodyear blimp. Right. And that goes way back. Okay. And again, no disrespect. But Augusta National is not in the greatest part of town. No. And <laughs> right. one of the things they're very protective of is their image. Um, and uh, and uh, they, they did not want any blimp shocks. Uh, they have since bought up a lot of those homes and made it into more parking. And, you know, while there's that staunch, almost stuck-up feeling about Augusta National, one thing about the Masters they take so much of that profit and put it back into the city of Augusta, uh, you know. I personally donated at the pro shop buying all the memories. <laughs> <laughs> because you, you can't buy it anywhere else, right? Yeah. So I bought for my oh, right dad, on. my uncle, my cousins, my sister, you know, you buy for my husband, or my husband was there, but you know, yeah, it yeah. was just amazing. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it really is, it really yeah. is. So, Come with bags and bags, you feel like Julia Roberts. <laughs> I want to talk about industry fails, okay? And and we're going to say golf is part of your industry as well, Chris. I'm going to tell you my industry fail, and I'm going to share one more little uh, 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 master's story for you. But I call it my John uh, Vandeveld moment, okay? Um, but, but, but first and foremost, one day at the master's, I'm standing in the gallery, I'm, I'm walking to 15 to the grandstand and um, we're following uh, DeMarco and Tiger. And there's a man next to me and his hat looks all puffy and his face is a little worn. And I just keep walking and I said, I love your music, Alice, and kept going. Oh, wow. And a big golfer. Yeah, big yeah. Fan. But you just never know who you're going to run into there. Kenny G., things like that. And, and, oh, and uh, I ran into Dan Quinn there, the old Calgary flanker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, He's a great he, golfer. A, a great golfer, and he was yeah. hanging with Freddie Couples. But yeah. my industry fail, uh, well, I say golf fail, um, was uh, back in 2008, I was playing golf with Brian Kilray. Now, now um, Chris is familiar with the killer. Brian Kilray had great great major junior coach of the Ottawa 67s. And we're playing out at Redoview. And um, only time him and Bert O'Brien had ever invited me. And um, I had a three-stroke lead on Killer going on to number 18. And I had that swagger walking up to 18 because I was going to have bragging rights for the next hockey season. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, bogey or better you know even a double i beat him i took a 13 
on number Yep. And we walk into the clubhouse to have lunch after, and Killer Proud as a Peacock goes, this guy took a 13 on number 18. And some guy sitting in the corner yells, how would you take a 13 on that hole? And I looked him right in the eye, and I said, I missed my putt for a 12. <laughs> I, I was upset. Never got invited out again with Killer. He, was, he wasn't going to take the chance. But how about you, Lisa? You were a pro golfer. Oh, you got to have one time that sticks in your mind. Oh man, I there's there's I I can only I can think. Yeah, there's so many of them. Um, gosh, well this is just a small one. It's not nearly you know as catastrophic as yours. But who's the who is the head coach of the Calgary Flames? His name Dave Dave King. Dave King. So I'm playing at Willow Park Golf Course in Calgary, and I'm on the ninth. Uh, I'm on the ninth hole, and I spray it. I spray it up over the trees onto number one, whatever, right? So I just it happens. It happens, right? So I I go over to number one, and there's a gentleman standing there, and and uh, and uh, my ball is in his fairway, and and he's waiting. And I said, Oh no, no, go ahead. He's like, No, it's okay. And and he's waiting, and it's Dave King. It's Dave King, and I'm thinking, Oh God. And I've got, and I'm, of course, I'm going for the miracle shot. I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going to hit it up high over the trees right on the green so i'm standing over my ball i'm standing over my ball just going um uh just just like oh please don't call top please don't call top and i wait anyway i clip <laughs> i totally humiliate it was a crap shot and he was very nice he's like oh that was a good try and i was like oh i just i was so embarrassed i was so embarrassed that you know here i was going for the miracle shot and it was just a total fail right in front of dave king and he was so nice but oh man <laughs> Your turn, Chris. Uh, oh, top those two. Yeah, that's pretty tough. Mine won't come close to that. Um, I'm gonna name drop though. Um, went over to cover the uh, oh, I can't remember, it was the 20, 2012 British Open and Cam Cole, the, the great columnist for oh, yes. uh, for uh, Southern Papers for, for uh, years and years, took me under his wing and and uh, he did the driving. Wow, you have not lived until you've seen cam cole handle a stick shift driving on the wrong side of the road yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he, like he had done it his whole life so we get there and uh cam says well when we get there we're going to go play at uh royal brookdale uh the the tournament was at uh litham and st anne's okay so cam says we're going to go to uh to play at royal brookdale with doug ferguson Open venue yep yep yes and doug so it's just down down the road in Southport from where uh, the, the British, Op uh, British Open's taking place. So I said, we're gonna go play with, with uh, Doug Ferguson, who's the AP golf writer. And so two of the most respected guys, mentors, like uh, guys I looked up to, like you wouldn't believe. So we get to Royal Birkdale. Of course, my luggage doesn't make it. My, my clubs don't make it. Oh. I've got jeans on. So Cam's like, here, put my rain pants on. So I pulled Cam's rain pants on. The pro is such a great guy. He was like, what kind of, uh, what kind of irons do you play? So I was like, uh, tight list. Here, use mine. And grabbed me a, a driver and a couple of hybrids, put a bag together for me. And uh, Fergie goes into his golf bag and hands me like three tight lists and says, here's some balls. Like, you know, just such, such great people. So we get out there and, and uh, I think Jason Duffner and Stephen Ames were teeing off in front of us. Because these guys all take advantage, right? So you go over there to play in the British Open, and it might be at Lithuania and St. Anne's, but they'll take a chance to go play all these other 
you know, top 100 courses in the world that are in the neighborhood. So they tee off, we tee off. I smoke my drive on, on the first hole, just missed the green with my approach, get it up and down for a par. Second hole, I hit it to like about five feet and have a birdie chance and just miss it. And Fergie's like, what the hell? And I'm like, believe me, I'm not this good. <laughs> he is. Sure, he is sure enough. Sure enough. We get on the, the next hole, smoke my drive again. I'm like, man, I could have like one of the rounds of my life on one of the greatest golf courses in the world, playing with two of the greatest sports writers ever. And I got this wedge in from like about 105 yards and I just shanked that mother like straight right into, into these dudes. And that was it. The bubble, the bubble had burst and yeah. That's all. All I had to look forward after that was the beer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so talk about embarrassing. To top it off, so I've got no luggage and this borrowed golf bag, borrowed clubs, everything else. We finished finish the round, you know, thank everybody for their hospitality. We get back to uh, the house that we're renting for the week. And uh, next morning, my bags finally show up and I'm unpacking and I'm like, oh, geez, where did I put my passport? Like, oh, shit. I put my passport in that golf bag to make oh. sure that I wouldn't drop it while I was out on the course. Oh no. So I have to go downstairs with hat in hand to Cam. Say, Cam, we need to drive back to Burkdale. Like, why? I'm like, oh, you're not gonna believe this, but I left my passport in the golf bag. He's like, oh. Anyway, he's not happy about having to get into the car and drive me back to, to Royal Burkdale. We go in, find the pro. And he's like, yeah, I'm not even sure where the bag is. It must be in the, in the back shop. Finds the bag and sure enough, like it was a little carry bag with like the plastic tube inside and the pocket and tucked right around the tube inside the ballpark pocket was my passport. Oh my gosh. <laughs> reclaim, <laughs> reclaim the passport. What a start to that trip, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know what was worth the, the, the shank or having to tell Cam that he had to drive it back to the passport. Uh, yeah, I'll take losing. I'll take a 13 on number 18. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that wouldn't be like killer at all to walk into the clubhouse oh. and say, hey, this guy just took a 13. That's that's not Brian at all. No, no. He shanked, he shanked a ball. The, the, the man doesn't hit a driver, but he shanks a ball onto the, the I can't remember what, what hole we were on, but it went onto the next fairway and almost hit the vice president of Coca-Cola Canada. Oh. Killer drives me over to the to his ball and he looks at me and he goes, "Boy, Pataf, you got a tough second shot here." Take <laughs> 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 me in his, because he didn't want to admit he almost hit the vice president of Coca-Cola uh, Canada. Did you play oh. for a dollar? <laughs> oh, that was always play. Brian's that was always Brian's thing. We'll play for a dollar. Yeah. Have, to have something to play for. Yeah. Listen, folks, this is probably the saddest part for me in, in this broadcast because it's where we have to come to an end. But it's a, it's a fun part, too, because um, Gary encouraged me about five broadcasts ago to have the guests ask each other a question. And so we're going to go down that road in just a second because you're the professional, well, you're both professional question asked. <laughs> 
But we're going to make you go first, Chris, in just a second. I do want to let you people both know that our good friends here at Source for Sports, Shem Source for Sports, makes a donation of sporting goods, equipment, and gift cards to underprivileged children here in the Chilliwack area in both your names for taking oh, the Oh, thank you. On. That's awesome. Oh, it, it is. Thank you. Great partners with the Chiefs, and they have Brian Gillespie and Jeff over there are great, great people, and they do this, and we really appreciate that. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody who's coming on Friday. I hope you're thinking of your question. Well, Friday, we've got another Lisa coming on. And this other Lisa lives in Calgary as well. And that's Lisa Bowes. And Lisa's- Oh, a I love Lisa Bowes from CTV. She's phenomenal. I, I, Bowes knows sports and she has her books. She has her, her books. books, yes. And, and Lisa was with TSN when I uh, when I lived in Calgary and, and uh, we became friends. And I reached out to her a couple of weeks ago and, and she's gonna come on and talk about very empowering books too for young girls. Uh, uh, Lucy Tries, and, and she started out with Lucy Tries Hockey, and she's gone out to Lucy Tries Luge, Lucy Tries Golf, and so she is uh, an awesome. author, and she's going to be have, uh, fun to have on. Also, we're going to have a talent representative from Sovereign Sports, a guy named uh, Scott Oswin, who started out as an equipment, a hockey equipment rep, uh, with Easton Sports, moved up through CCM, and then became a, a, a talent rep. So he represents uh, hockey players uh, and so on and so forth through so Sovereign Sports. So it's going to be an interesting Friday. But uh, Chris and, um, and Lisa, okay. I want you guys to end it off. Chris, go ahead, ask Lisa whatever. Oh, I don't want to ask Lisa a question because, you know, Lisa's told me all her deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets. Uh, <laughs> my question is for you. Love it. And I want to know what you said exactly when Brad Staubitz broke his skate at the 2005 Memorial Cup. And do you, you want me to leave get, out the, out the couldn't, And you couldn't, and the London Knights would not let you use the skate riveter to fix Staubitz's skate because he was scaring the shit out of all the Knights. Yeah, biggest, the uh, biggest, and, and that was the year of the year long NHL. Uh, lockout. So the Mo Memorial Cup was on the biggest hockey stage that year. So I'm going to leave out all the swear words, okay? <laughs> I said absolutely nothing. <laughs> if you left out all the swear words, yes. that's right. That would be the transcript. That's right. It would and, be like one of those. It would be like one of those transcripts. Everything redacted. It would just be black line after black line after black line. And, and you want to talk about that Memorial Cup? And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but because it was um, uh, such a uh, like on the big stage, everybody was there. Bob McKenzie, Pierre Maguire, uh, uh, Mr. Bettman was there. Uh, you know, observing the thing with Dave Branch. So anyway, Killer had to go into a media scrum and we had a player uh, suffer a, a concussion during the game. So uh, Killer, you remember the media scrums after the game? And uh, I said to Killer, I said, just be careful talking about the injuries, please. He goes, well, then come with me. <laughs> and you know me, I got a chance to get in front of a microphone. I'm not, you don't have to ask me twice. I mean, look what I'm doing here. But anyway, we go into the scrum and Bob McKenzie asked Killer why Jay, uh, uh, Jacob Petrozalek left the game. 
And Killer goes, well, he suffered a concussion. And that's when you popped in, Chris. You said, well, aren't you supposed to say an upper body injury? And Killer <laughs> looked at me and said, go ahead, Patat. So I just shrugged my shoulders and I said, Chris, I said, Killer's been telling Jacob Petrozalek all year that he skates around like he's got his head up his ass. So we're not sure if it's an upper or a lower body injury. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I, I was grabbing a couple of headlines at uh, at uh, Memorial Cup that uh, year. That's awesome. You gotta ask Chris something. Okay, now Chris hang on. Now did that did that did that whole incident though with Staubitz and the skate river? Did, did that not change the rule from that point yeah. on? There was like a, a communal yeah. skate riveter after yeah. that for uh, for repairs during the game. It did Memorial Cups going forward. Um, uh, they had to. Uh, there was a company. Uh, that came in and they supplied a, uh, a three head skate sharpener and a whole repair area. So all the visiting teams, the host team just used their own. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and um, the, uh, the other teams that were there would, would use the repair area uh, serviced by uh, uh, this company. And one of the things Jeff Hunt had said to me after in front of the media was um, he goes, well, you know what, Brian, next year for the season, I'll just buy you your own riveter you can bring on the road. And I said, no, Jeff, just buy a riveter and have it left in the visiting room in London because every other <laughs> team in this league would allow me to go in and repair a skate, much yeah. as I do for them. Yeah. There was, there was um, uh, you know, and, and um, I, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this, but, but, but London had their own set of rules. Um, you know, I, They've done a remarkable job. The Hunter family has done a remarkable job with that franchise, but they've had some help um, on the way in, in bending here and there. And, and um, you know, um, I've never been one to just kind of shut up if I don't think things are, are right. And, uh, and I kind of stepped out. And um, I, I guess uh, my best case of stepping out and saying things that I didn't think were right was when I worked over in Germany in Frankfurt. I complained quite a bit, but nobody knew what I was saying. <laughs> so, Lisa, go okay. ahead. Fire away. My question for Chris, uh, like I think that because you've been to so many Olympic Games and so many majors, I would love to know if you had to pick one interview, one interview that you thought was spectacular, that you thought the person was spectacular and even blew your mind more than you thought possible, who would that one interview be? And again, it could be Olympics, could be golf, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, the one that stands out for me was uh, my, my rookie, my rookie year covering the Montreal Canadians in 88, 89, Pat Burns was the, uh, was the head coach. And I had known Pat a little bit from uh, him coaching in, in Hull and covering junior hockey. And um, like I said, it was about, I'm going to say a month into me covering the Habs. We were in Boston and we, and I had asked Pat for some time. So we sat down in the lobby before the bus was going to go to, uh, before the bus was going to go to the rink for the game. And, and the Canadians had not gotten off to a good start under, under Pat Burns. And of course, you know, what Montreal can be like, people were, you know, wondering if he had what it took to coach the team. And, and, uh, one of the particular, uh, points of criticism had been the way that he's using Stefan Richet. And, and Richie had been critical of the way that Burns had been using him. And I can, 
remember is, like I said, a, a rookie reporter sitting there with Pat Burns and Pat saying, if I remember the quote right, something along the lines of, well, Stefan Riche took me, took a knife and cut me open and left me to bleed on St. Catherine Street. And I just remember thinking, I guess when they say that's a quote, that's a quote. That's a quote. That's for sure. Quote. And, yeah. and you said that was the 88-89 team, right? Yeah, 88-89. Yes. I knew I was going to open the door for you to bring that up. The Calgary Flames. Twenty fourth. It was two days. Yeah. Our Calgary Flames had our thirty first yeah. anniversary of our one cup. We won't talk about how many Canadian how many Canadians cups there are because there's yeah. more. Than I know. And I'll go one other one other Habs one that stands out for me was the uh, 93 Cup final. And uh, the first game hadn't gone well for uh, for the Canadians. They lost that first game. And the media availability that day, Taft, was they just brought some of the players into um, the restaurant at the forum. So the players were in there in in little groups. And I can remember, I think it was Bill Beacon. Who was Let great. me check. Let me do you. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, I think it was uh, Bill Beacon, the great longtime uh, CP reporter, covered the Habs forever in, in Montreal. And I wound up with Guy Carboneau talking to, uh -huh. to Carboneau. And he had not been, you know, he was one of the premier checking forwards of his time, but um, Jacques Demers had not used him in a matchup against Wayne Gretzky for the Kings in that 93 final. And I can remember Guy Carboneau standing there and saying, give me Gretzky. Like, can you imagine a guy saying, I want to, I want to take on Gretzky and ended up watching the other night be at the replay of, of, uh, of that series and, and thinking about that and how Carboneau uh, starting in the second game, got the matchup against, uh, against Gretzky. And of course did a great job of, of shutting him down for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the series. So uh, those, those are a couple of things. When you ask about memorable interviews, yeah. those, those were a couple of the ones that stood out for me relatively early in my, uh, in my career. For sure. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, Haley, come on back on, please. <laughs> Listen. First and, first and foremost, we raised the bar today. Did we not, Haley? Oh, oh, this oh, is you, awesome. You, both of you, uh, Lisa and Chris, uh, uh, we could go for hours. We I know. Literally go for hours. So many stories. And and um and it, it's just amazing. And again, Lisa, you have this infectious personality. Gary Maxwell got on on my Facebook page and said, "Tell her to have a long drive contest with the Minister of Finance to see." Guys, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Live with Taff, hosted by Brian Pataffi, produced by Haley Ferguson. Make sure you keep in touch by following us on Twitter, at bpataffi and at Haley Fergs. And head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.